0: Welcome to this MTech Access podcast. At MTech Access, we offer a complete global market access service from strategy through to implementation. In the UK, all our work is underpinned by authentic NHS insights. Our in house experts work closely with a national network of associates who occupy strategic, operational, and clinical roles within the NHS. Leaders in their field, their knowledge and experience helps ENTEC Access to be as close to the front line of care delivery as possible. Please subscribe to the podcast or follow our LinkedIn company page for more information.
1: Good afternoon and welcome back to the ENTEC Access Words of Wisdom webinar. I'm Tom Clark and it's great to be back with another two guests from the NHS to talk about their current challenges and and the environment as it evolves around them. Just before we start, a quick reminder, in case you don't know, that we are running a full day symposium in London on the 29th of September, looking at payments, people and planning, um, all the things that you need to know about the NHS and your strategy for 2023. Uh, you can download a, a flyer from the handout section in the webinar or visit our website for more details. Back to the business at hand. Um, on July the 1st, integrated care systems were formalised, becoming statutory bodies responsible for the provision of care, health outcomes and equality across their populations. This long-held change promises to change how we all experience care and in our professional lives, how we interact with the NHS and approach challenges around the introduction and implementation of health technologies. The reality, however, however, might be quite different as constraints around capacity, budgets and workforce continue to have a profound impact on frontline care and patient experience. To lift the lid with me on how the ICS era has started, I'm joined today by Steve Reed, Head of Community Services at York and Scarborough Teaching Hospitals NHS Foundation Trust. And Dr. Viren Mehta, who's the Vice Chair of the Viaduct Care GP Federation and Clinical Director of Tudor PCA. So, Steve, Viren, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Um, Steve, I'll come to you first. Um, can you just briefly introduce yourself, the, the role you're in, and a little bit about the system that you're working in?
2: Yeah, afternoon, Tom. I am so, as you said, I'm head of community services for an acute and community foundation trust um, based up in Yorkshire. Um, So we serve um, as a trust about half a million, but for our community services, about 350,000 people. um, And and that covers the traditional range of of kind of um, community nursing services, therapies, lots of intermediate care um, and specialist teams. Um, Our our ICS was not one of the early adopters and had some challenges over the um, years in terms of of the geography that it covers and some changes um, to that and and then how that aligned with um, local authorities and um, provider trusts feels like it's in a a much more stable place um, now but as a system overall we've we've lived with quite a lot of um, financial challenges um, over the years and some the performance um, issues um, as well as trying to balance kind of pockets of quite high deprivation um, with um, a lot of rurality versus urban uh, challenge so it's an, an interesting um, system that's got quite a bit within it. yeah brilliant thanks Stephen
1: we'll come back to lots of those bits I'm sure as we go Viren to you same same question I suppose
0: yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, nice to be here. So I'm a, a GP partner um, in Stockport, Greater Manchester. Uh, I'm also PCM clinical director. Um, and as we started to move into ICSs, is um, because I hold a role across sort of the practice, the PCM, the LMC and our GP Federation, um, I was asked to sort of become the the uh, the primary care representative on our on our shadow locality board. Um, so I've been doing that now for for just over just over six months. Um, where Stockport has a population of about 315,000 and we're part of Greater Manchester ICS so following on from, from Steve um, I suppose in some ways we've had a bit more time to mature in ICS because we we're part of the, the GM DEVO sort of ex- experiment. So I think quite a lot of the, the, the system working across our ICS has been in place for some time. Um, so in, in Greater Manchester we have a, a Greater Manchester Primary Care Board where um, LMC's, federations um, and PCN clinical directors come together to discuss primary care strategy across the piece. Um, we've got 10 localities or places in Greater Manchester. One of the challenges that we have is is in terms of demographics, those places are quite different. And I think for us in Stockport, there's a there's a sort of double double issue in that we have, again, a very polarised borough. So managing health inequalities is one of the focus for us as a place.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Ferenc. Um, and we'll, we'll come back to localities and places at some point, I'm sure. Um, just in terms of where you come, obviously you said your, your assistant uh, Manchester was kind of one of the the early, the ICS is uh, and, and long heralded. Thinking about, you know, July the 1st and that that very important date, what's changed since then?
0: I think the, the, the sort of transition to ICS has been really interesting. We were told, you know, there's a big fanfare originally, everything's going to change on, on 1st of July. And actually, as we've approached that date, I think increasingly it's the, the message has been nothing's going to change immediately. This first year is going to be a year of transition. So I think as far as um as kind of things changing immediately, there hasn't been, I think, a huge change that people have noticed. I think for staff that used to work in CCGs, there's been quite a lot of upheaval as people have tried to work out, you know, where where they're fitting in the new system, have they got a role, have they not? And you know, my reflection has been every time we go through a big change in the NHS, we seem to get worse at doing it rather than better. And I think that certainly managing our people, I think on reflection could have been handled better from, from sort of a commissioning uh, sort of system point of view. So it feels like people are now just trying to settle back into role, um, in some ways carrying on doing what they were doing before. And I think that in, in most areas we are finding ICSs are coming together. I think that relationship between councils and the NHS um, you know, feels like it's featuring quite highly in all ICSs. In Greater Manchester, um, actually, all of the place leads um, for our for our boroughs are chief executives of our councils, um, and so therefore we now have a deputy place lead who comes from that NHS background to try and sort of align those those, those two areas together. Um, I think locality boards um, feel like a really interesting space to be, where people are trying to 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 collaborate and, and do things differently. Um, but I think one of the things that has that has come very clearly from Um, ICSs is is, or nationally I suppose is that challenge around elective recovery, that challenge around post-COVID recovery and quite frankly that financial challenge which seems quite significant that that all areas are kind of going to be focused on over the next 12 months. Yeah fantastic thank you. Steve from your perspective
2: what's changed since July 1st? I I think probably from a provider perspective not that much i think for 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 us this has been a process that's been building over over a number of months towards that kind of formal um handing over of of power um i think for as as Vera says for that for those individuals who are working in um former ccgs or in in ics that was a really significant day in terms of their kind of organization identity and and that clarity over what what their roles are but i think in terms of from a provider organisation, we, we we've we've carried on as as we were. i um, probably slightly harder to find exactly where decision making um, is happening now, as as that balance, as is, is, again, as very described describing between what you're doing at place level and what decisions are uh, are being taken at, at ICS or ICB um, level needs to 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 work through. Um, so I think for for us, we we'd already seen that the ICS had taken a much greater role in the planning process last year and, and and sort of the ongoing revisions of those those plans as we try to to live within the financial envelope um that was available um wh- whether it's um kind of action to tackle urgent emergency care challenges or or a number of other things that they are now ICS and um, kind of wide um, interventions and so so i, I think for us it's, it, the first of july didn't make a big difference to that it was um, already happening, and and probably now we're just um, kind of I think probably gonna have another two or three months just while everyone kind of lets the dust settle on that, some holidays out of the way, and 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 come September, and I think there'll be much more clarity about about structures and process.
1: Yeah, brilliant, thank you. You both talked a little about the, about the journey, and it's been a period of time to get to, to this point, so it hasn't been a sort of an overnight switch. Do you feel that your your colleagues in your organisation around your system are, are ready to work in a system, a joined up system way, rather than still being organizationally focused, Steve?
2: Yeah, I think COVID probably more than the move to to ICS has has helped people on that that journey. For certainly in the in the kind of the part of the system that I, I I work in, it was it was incredible to see the the shift almost overnight from people feeling you know territorial around their organizational priorities and you know wanting to work together but as long as it helped to to achieve the things that that they were looking to do to to really kind of focusing on what's what is the biggest problem for our communities now and how do we all work together as best we can um kind of not not being precious about whose kind of staff or resources It, it was it was really about that that common goal and I think that's that's helped us as we're trying to move to that way of working longer term. Um, it does feel that that's got more challenging as the financial situation has got worse. I think it's always more difficult when people haven't got enough to start with to think about how they they work differently or um, to think about how you know you can work with someone in a way that perhaps doesn't benefit the service that you're responsible for or the team that you work as part of. Um, but I think the, the strengthening and deepening of relationships that, that happened up was in a, in a good place to collectively deal with those challenges. And it does, it does feel like there is more of a sense of shared challenge. And you know, whether it's workforce or finance or re- recovering the elected position or, or, or dealing with, you know, the, 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 the demand for a, acute services that, that no one can really respond to as quickly as they want. So it, it's, it does feel that that is more of a A system rather than just being an individual organisation problem.
0: Brilliant, thanks Steve. Firen, does that resonate with you? Yeah absolutely, I think you know the timing I suppose of ICSs coming in as as Steve alluded to actually we've seen you know if ICSs weren't happening we've seen so much other change I think that has driven new ways of working Uh, and I think Covid being the sort of prime driver I think for forcing people to come together in ways that they perhaps wouldn't have done before. Um, I think as we move into is one reflection, I suppose, is the importance of um, OD and organizational development and people development. And, you know, I think we, you know, when there was that burning platform of COVID, it allowed people to come together because some of the shackles, I suppose, that exist in the public sector were almost removed. Now that we're moving into this um, new period where, you know, we know there's going to be a scrutiny on finances. We've got a huge challenge of elective recovery. Um, and I think we've also got a fundamental shift in society. I think we're going to see, I suspect, you know, some real changes in, uh, in demographics and the way that people work, the way that people move, and therefore the impacts on people's health over the past two or three years that we're only really starting to understand and the way in which they consume public services as well and want to engage with them. Um, We're all gonna have to work differently and it's finding a way to do that and taking our staff with us. I think at leadership level, it does feel like there is a real will to work differently. um, And I suppose it it takes time for that to cascade through all of our organisations. As far as frontline staff are concerned, nothing's really changed from 1st of July. Um, they're still doing the job that they were doing. The challenges are greater than they were before and how you, you kind of cascade that willingness to work in a new way down to staff who are just got their nose to the ground thinking about almost day to day in some cases where you know we need them to look up and start to look ahead and, and look at what may be coming uh, is a challenge I think for all of us as, as providers.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. And I mean, the, there's the old adage of um, form following function, and uh, there's, a, there's been a lot made of the appointments to to various sort of board roles across ICSS. Do you feel there's kind of a, a common sense? You both talked about, you know, that that coherence. Do you feel there's a, that common sense of understanding what the priorities are
0: within your system? So I think um, I suppose it's for us as leaders to drive that conversation so certainly in my um, in my place in my ICS where we wanted to start the conversation is very much looking at population health really understanding your population um, and what those challenges are and then you can start to shape a narrative and a, a and a strategy around that I think all too easily in the public sector we can start with finance we can start with you know the huge issues we have around workforce and try and build a plan from there and that always takes you into a slightly different place so I think that idea of starting with with your population but also really starting with a strengths based approach and looking at your assets that you've got um, I think it's on us to drive that I think sometimes it, pe- it feels to people that the ICS is some ethereal thing over there for us that are working in a place Whereas actually, we're all part of the ICS as much as we are and places should be driving that ICS strategy, um, which is difficult. There's enough of a job to do locally as well as trying to do that system working. But I think we need to think about how we free up the right people from our place to be able to do that work, shaping that ICS strategy overall.
1: Yeah. And, and you, you talk about population health there, and it's something we've, we've talked about several times over the last couple of years. Do you think kind of your colleagues locally... Ready to, or have already made that mental shift around? We're not now looking at specific cohorts, or or not not specific pathways, not specific episodes of care. We're looking at a different type of picture. We're looking at a, a, a broader piece. Do you think people have made that mental leap so far?
0: So I think I think the the really, I suppose, in most most areas, it's it's moving that conversation to rather than focus on. Kind of disease cohorts and specific kind of populations it's really thinking about neighborhoods and pcNs um, and I think that um, that working between you know primary and community care as well as social care those integrated neighborhood teams really understanding your local population um, is the key driver I think to to working in a different way because once you start to look at some of those population challenges um, you recognize that actually the, the, the ability to really sh- to turn that dial doesn't sit with us in health necessarily. It's those wider determinants that are really important. So in our place-based board, as well as our neighbourhood boards, we're starting to bring in housing, we're starting to bring in the voluntary sector, we're bringing in health watch and patient representation, but we're also bringing in, say, fire service and our local police and crime commissioner because actually the ability to influence that health in its wider sense sits far out with the traditional services that perhaps were commissioned um, with the NHS
1: yeah thank you Steve I'll I'll come to you uh, with the same question about have you got clarity over what priorities are for your system I,
2: I think we've got a long list of things that we want to do and the challenge is going to be how to prioritise within them, and, and where that prioritisation will take place, so that, you know, Bryn's absolutely right that this is our opportunity to think differently about the communities that we're here to, to serve, what, what will make the biggest difference for them, um, and, and whether you're doing that at ICS level or place level or neighborhood level and, and, and where those things are perhaps in, in, in conflict because the priorities are different in different neighborhoods or different in different places, how you then square that back at ICS level where the, the, the board and the, the partnership will be setting the, the overall strategy and, and direction and, and access to, to analytics. Um, so getting the really good data um, as well as it properly engaging with with communities about those things that are important and are going to be be really key to doing that and, and and i i sort of see for organizations and for for the ics more generally how you balance the pressures of the things that must be done now which are the traditional things that, that as a, a service we have we've always been trying to do you know a, a waiting times for elective procedures um the kind of press, pressure on on access targets in in other ways meeting the financial challenge how you 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 stop some of that in the moment to be able to do the other bit to to, to reprioritize and then to commit to doing the preventative work that stops People going on to to be in crisis or to to need other interventions and doing that that work collaboratively with others recognising the limits of, of where we do is is probably going to be the litmus test in some ways for for the ICSs in terms of whether this is really a new new world or whether it is just a, a reorganisation of the of the world we were in before and I think it's probably a little early to to tell I think the the language is different I think the and um, the the objectives that people describe and the the, the lens on inequalities um, and, and prevention are, are important i think it's just it's kind of beholden on all of us who who work within those systems to make sure that we do keep those as being at the forefront and 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 i think as well not losing sight of um how you do engage with communities so that we're not prioritizing all them but actually with with them and and, and kind of using those lived experiences and, and people's insight. Yeah
1: thank you and, and yours is a really interesting role because you're employed by an acute trust, running community services, engaging heavily with primary care, so I guess you've got a really good view on all, all those sort of traditional parts of the healthcare system if you will. Have you, you talked a bit there about language evolving, have you noticed kind of Cultural evolution, or the way in which conversations are being held, is, is changing.
2: I think it is, and 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 you know how, how much of that is directly related to, to to the changes of of ICS, and how much this is a continuation of a of a journey probably start well started decades ago, but but really that five year forward view shift in terms of um at community level how you bring um, different health teams and and care teams together to to work differently, um, and I I I, I do you know, so sort of on a daily basis now see shifts in terms of people um t- talking to other organizations where historically you would have done the work internally and then once it was ready you you might have shared it um but only to tell people what you were doing differently whereas now it does feel like there's more of a of a recognition that from the start you're going to do that that work together you're going to think about whole pathways not just the the small part of it that you might be be responsible for, and and with that starting to unlock opportunities, and I think the more that that the the kind of frontline clinical teams see how their daily lives could be made better and make it easier to to support their patients in the way that that they want to, and um, the, the the more momentum we will get to to taking that that forward. Um, I think there's still lots of work to to do um Viren was right about the um, kind of Odile work and the and the cultural bit we we've worked in these organizational silos and and with team identity um for for a long long time and so t- shifting that into this this completely different way is going is going to take time um to bring everyone but I think that the more people who do it and the more success that you see. And the more colleagues that they then bring into that approach, um, you can see it it's starting to, to spread.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Steve. So, so very just Sticking with priorities for, for for a little bit longer. So, in in primary care, um, you're subject to lots of competing priorities anyway. And now, you know, for you, you're a GP partner. You also sit on a, a federation and a PCN, as well as being on the locality board. So, you're kind of privy to possibly lots of the different drivers. So you've got your core contract as well as primary care des and kind of locality things that be going on as well as national initiatives they're gonna be thrown at you every once in a while. How do you, or how are you kind of managing
0: those competing priorities at the moment? And there's a question. Um, So (laughs) I think think what um, certainly, I mean, you know, so at the moment I've role at practice level, PCN level, Federation place level, but also ICS level in Greater Manchester, um, and I think that what you've got to try and do is—is is my approach to it is actually I don't say anything different at those at those levels because actually the right thing to do generally is the right thing to do. Your lens might be slightly different in terms of what you're trying to achieve, but I think I think the key is is, is what we we sort of said earlier. It's actually making sure you set your right priorities and set that throughout that organizational structure so everyone feels they own those priorities everyone feels they own that strategy and direction of travel and everyone can see that everything that you're doing both at practice level or at ics level is taking you on that journey to that place that you want to get to i think all too often we Create strategy in a, in a room somewhere and just expect people to follow and go along with it. And I think the trick that we've got and how you do that across sort of the, the new structures in the ICS is really important. And I think therein, I suppose one of the challenges that you've got is the brand of the ICS and the brand of the place, because we're we're used to having, you know, either an NHS logo or a council logo, or you know, people people have gravitated around those things historically. I think what each place has to do is find out what that identity is. How do you so we've created the brand of one Stop port, um, which is, you know, all of us in that in that place coming together, regardless of which organization we work for, but all working towards that, that same strategy. And we have a one Stop port strategy that isn't owned by any one organisation, but hopefully contributed to by all, including the people that, that live and work in Stockport themselves that's really difficult to do um, and I think that that shift in culture you know the whole purpose of ICS is was to break that traditional split between commissioner and provider it's really difficult for people who've worked in either setting to do that overnight we've had 20 years of increasing competition between providers in the NHS and we're now talking about we'll forget that and work and now you collaborate in a in a provider collaborative and, and, and deliver Uh, you know on a a set of kind of high-level outcomes that's really big change I think for our staff and and for us you know as as leaders of the system and um, I think the more effort we put into supporting that change managing change which traditionally we often don't do as well as we could do um, I think the more successful we'll be as we start to have conversations in a different way.
1: Yeah okay and do do you feel emboldened i suppose to be in control of those priorities whereas you know traditionally having worked in primary care myself you know it's been a case where we've got a contract we need to stick to that and and there are certain things that we rules we need to follow to to kind of play the game if you will kind of that idea of coalescing behind the one stop port. do you and your local partners feel actually you know we're in control of this game now it's our our place to decide what we're doing and then the bits that we're contracted to do and what have you Will make sure fit
0: with what we're trying to do. I think that one of the, so I think lots of us that became PCN clinical directors really hoped that PCNs would be given the freedom to really understand their population start to plan services with our community services colleagues and our social care colleagues and our local sort of assets that we have in the community and start to do things a little bit differently. I think that was the ambition that many of us had. As the PCN does, as developed it has turned into a bit of a nationally set list of directives that you have to deliver on. be that enhanced access and you know when we have such different populations across the country actually specifying that everyone needs to get an appointment up till 8 p.m and all day on the saturday um the kind of priority for what most pcn's are focusing on at the moment how do we do that from october as opposed to actually we've got a real challenge around health inequalities that's different in every PCN across the country how do we understand that and tailor our service to meet that demand so for me I think it's been a bit of a shame that the PCN seems to have lost that direction into a list into you know a list of very specific nationally set um, indicators when actually the opportunity is much greater and as Steve alluded to the challenge certainly for me is how do you Create enough headspace for people to still do that stuff when there's so much day-to-day happening that that they have to hit in order to to hit targets, so that you get the finances to do the other stuff. Um, that's the challenge, I think. Is is a lot of the time, it's just creating that headspace for people to come together and giving them permission, I think, to to, to work differently. And I think we are yet to see as a place and as a PCN, how much autonomy do we have in decision making as we as we go forward in what's going to be a very challenging 12 to 18 months for, for the public sector? Um, how much is going to be set at ICS level? How much are ICS is going to have mandated to them in terms of delivery? Um, and therefore, how much freedom do we really have to do the things that I think all of us want to do, have the, have the ambition to do?
1: Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Steve, I'll, I'll come to you just on that piece. You, know, you work a lot with locality partners all over the the system are you seeing them feeling empowered yet or are you seeing people finding that headspace to do things differently
2: yeah i i i i kind of would agree with with, with viren in terms of people can see the potential um, and whether that is as you say through pcns federated practices working together the the opportunity for for people at neighbourhood or place level to come together and do things differently. Um, and I, I I get a sense from talking to colleagues around around different parts of the country that I, quite a lot of CCGs and providers had evolved relationships around their localities and ha- had managed to move away from that really traditional commissioner contracts provider delivers um sort of way of, of working. And, and I think there's a there's a risk with the ICS that because of the size that it covers and that it's harder therefore to have those kind of interpersonal relationships rather than doing what it intends to which is that uh, kind of collaborative ownership of the problem in some ways it goes back to a more traditional sort of command and control way of working because it's dealing with such a disparate um, kind of range of um, different providers across the places that it serves and, and and as well a danger that we've added another layer of governance in because you've still got all of that those things happening at place that were before you've still got your regional NHS England structure and something else has come in in the middle as as part of that that decision making Um, and and so perhaps that relationship between the NHS England region and the ICS and how much NHS England allows the ICS the freedom that the legislation sets out that it should have um, to do its work um, rather than that they just become a conduit for the, the latest top-down kind of must-do and, and are just challenging it down to, to places. So I, I think we've probably got six to 18 months where it'll go one way or, or the other that um, we'll go through the, this forming stage that, that, that all ICSs will be doing and some um, I, that have been as part of the sort of front-runner sites that have been doing this and have got there that kind of governance between place and ICS working really effectively already and and, and this you know the first was just um, kind of putting in legislation what they were already doing, others that are kind of still evolving a little bit in terms of of that but, but coming out of it and having real clarity of where the freedom to act lies so at your place. These are all the things that are within your scope, and this is where we want to do the work at a, a bigger level because it makes sense to do it once, and we can learn from each other, and we can we can get those efficiencies and economies of scale. Um, versus that that it's as I say, it just becomes um kind of a, a repeat of what we were doing before, but just with a, a different group of people wearing wearing kind of organizational lanyards and 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 describing it being different when when the day-to-day reality for, for frontline staff is unchanged.
1: Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, I wonder if you both help me out with something I've been trying to figure out. So I'm trying to think, what, what's the new word for commissioners? So we use commissioners. Will we still be talking about commissioners in terms of those people at the tops of the systems sort of paying for and designing services, or are we going to have a new lexicon there? It wasn't on my original list of questions, but it's been bugging me. Yeah
2: i think we should um and because i think in 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 defining what that word is might help the clarifying the role um so because i think this that, that it's more it should be more of a coordinating function something that brings together um all of those those people not just traditional health but but you know as as very much describing kind of local authorities wider services really community and voluntary organizations um to to achieve a, a sort of a shared sort of, a, um, kind of agreed um priorities um so i i think some something around a sort of coordinating function would be a um, a, a better description
0: what do you reckon Baron? well i think that's a very interesting question i mean i've i've, I've been smiling quite wryly kind of um watching people from ccgs introduce themselves now over the past couple of weeks and trying to work out exactly what they call themselves and what their new role is but i think the the core function of commissioning must still exist mustn't it you know that that so you, you hear that split of kind of strategic versus tactical and and yes but the the the, the what commissioning um, the ethos of commissioning and what it aims to do is still uh, something that's needed across across a place, but also across a, a system. Um, I mean, before commissioning, the the word that was used for what commissioners do is was planning, and I suppose you know that that's kind of what what the and it may be that we start to go back to to, to that sort of language again. Um, it's interesting working more closely with local, local authority colleagues, where their view of commissioners and commissioner providers split, et cetera, is very different to what we've traditionally had in the NHS um, and I think as we start to work with our council colleagues more closely I think that will evolve but I think that that as Steve said that function of planning of coordinating of that strategic work being done slightly separately to the kind of tactical work that needs to happen on a day to day basis remains really important and it's important there's a focus on both.
1: Yeah brilliant
0: thank you
2: yeah just to finish your Got so, to no, 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 Tom I, I know you're the question master but I, I was just going to ask, ask Viren kind of do, do you think there's something that we can learn from the local authority model
0: so I think there there's there's lots that um you know local authorities have worked in a in a different way to, to to the NHS for for a number of years and as I said I think they have a much more um, that, you know, that, that I suppose the way in which they manage conflicts of interest the way in which they manage um that 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 split between commissioning and provision the, the way in which they're able to I think flip much better than we do between the strategic and the tactical but still recognise that they are different and there's a, space, a different space for both. Um, I think the way in which they engage with the private sector, actually, or the, you know, the, not the public sector, I think is definitely something where we, we have a lot to learn. I think we have to tread carefully, but I think we can mature our relationship in the NHS with colleagues that actually have a huge amount to bring um, and the way in which we have that dialogue, I think, can has, has the potential to, to shift quite significantly.
2: Do you have any thoughts on that, Steve, at all? Yeah, no, I, I, I think there's pro- probably something we can we can learn from a lot of different sectors around how, how these things are done. But I, 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 I think the other thing for me is um, that democratic accountability and uh, um, the, the way that for the, the local authorities, central sort of national direction, is, is is often secondary, barring what's in legislation. Um, and instead take much more of their lead from that local democratic process and priority sitting that that is really centered on a place um much more than i think the n h s which is which is driven through their central man, mandate and targets that, that and and I think some of the challenges we've seen when we've been working together with local authority colleagues often does boil down to that as as a difference in terms of at where organizational focus and, and approach comes from. So I think for, for ICSs being able to, to function in the way that local authorities have done with that real route in, in the place that they serve um, would, would be a good opportunity.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And, and earlier on, Steve, you were talking about the sort of six to 18 months, which might be a kind of defining period of time, see so which way things go. Um, Just picking up on that kind of local authority conversation, we've talked before about kind of earning autonomy for systems. Do you think that's going to be part of this, that systems that are really showing that they can do good stuff and are engaging well locally and actually driving change, implementing change, developing strong partnerships, are going to be empowered to do more of it and others will be
2: given more direction? Or do you think it will be more consistent, either there's direction or there's autonomy? Um, I I think that that's one way of managing that that relationship challenge with NHS England Um, and and NHS England focusing its energy and resources on the as you say the the places with the greatest challenges or or they're not necessarily achieving everything that they um, set out to do Um, it, it requires some bravery because um, allowing you know individual organizations freedom with foundation trusts or or PCNs was 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 a was a challenge for, for the NHS, but suddenly you'd be talking about you know million plus population regions um, being able to to do, and Viren's probably got more experience of that from the from the Greater Manchester um, devolution work. Um, at, I think given the challenges that the NHS has across the board how many places will be in that earned autonomy space um, is is probably going to be lower than than it perhaps would have been at different times Um, and and some of that may come from from sort of ministerial level as well and depending what changes we see in governments and how much kind of ministerial direction comes. Um, with, with whoever long-term is the, the Secretary of State for Health, because that's one of the other things in the legislation, is that, that the Secretary's got more power to direct the, the NHS than they had previously. And and so I think how NHS England responds perhaps will be um, kind of influenced by that, and, and then that will fo- follow down through the system. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Steve. So I want to
1: come come on to kind of the the structure and decision making piece that we've kind of touched on throughout the conversation. Um, I suppose as a a starting point, as the system develops, uh, Manchester ICS and the component parts of it, what is it you want to see from the structure and the governance and that side of things to allow you to, to do more locally?
0: I think I think for for most of us I think clarity is what most of us are asking for as the, the dust starts to settle off of the kind of reorganization um and I think one of one of my fears is is that we end up having the same conversation at you know certainly for me at, P, at practice level pcN level you have the same conversation again at place and then you have the same conversation at ICS because all of those people are trying to to skin the same cat and, and, and tackle the same problems. So I think clarity around what's the focus of the ICS um, and you know for me it should be doing the things that is are best done at that scale um, and, and, and sort of solving the, those system problems. Um, around sort of tertiary level um, sort of provision around um, some of those really fragile services where we're bringing those things together is is helpful. And I think once places know that 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 work is happening at the the system level, they can then be much more clear about what they are doing at place level and what their key priority is. And as I said, really speaking, every place should have a different level uh, type of priority because we're all very different and our challenges should be different even though there are some key cross-cutting things go- going on in between. I think that, that that working at system level but also working collaboratively at place level has some opportunities around I suppose what I'd call the enablers. So you know actually how do we address our workforce challenges collectively. At, at, at system ICS level you've got much more ability to for example to to influence your higher education institutes around um, you know, training and development. You've got much more ability to think about um, actually kind of aligned roles across health and social care. Um, and and you know, people. Uh, so currently, one of my current challenges is, you know, I'll go and visit a patient at home. There will be district nurses and uh, and then and then also other care packages have people coming in um, during the day how do we reorganize ourselves so that we can try and align some of those contacts and make every contact count um, and try and use some of those generic skill sets across the piece that requires quite a again a shift for our for our staff in terms of their their focus and how they work but also requires some flexibility across organizations for people to be able to work in in that slightly different way so i think i think it's about i think clarity of what's happening where I think decision-making currently does feel very difficult. I mean, um, you know, it's it's quite in terms of what freedom does a place have to, to, to make some decisions to go off in a slightly different direction if it wants to. Um, finances, I think, you know, I'm hoping things will become clearer, but financial flows is still something I don't think we've certainly figured out, um, especially as we approach winter, where there's often a need to make some tactical decisions around around finances to to address kind of key challenges. So I think clarity, I think more than anything else, um, is is what people are asking for. Um, And I think recognising that locality boards, you know, really should be staying quite strategic. So I suppose where those more tactical decisions that perhaps would have been made between CCGs and individual providers before um, at a place level, how does that happen? And I think one thing that we've not talked about is the provider collaboratives or provider partnerships are evolving. And in some places, they've been in existence for, for, for many years and some places that they're, they're, they're a new entity. I think increasingly um, the importance of those provider collaboratives, I think, in terms of being able to, to, to work cross provider in, in new ways, you know, recognising that there isn't more money, we're going to all have to use our resources more efficiently than we currently do.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Thanks. For in. There's definitely a couple of things I think we'll come back to in, in there. Steve, in terms of your systems kind of structure and governance, what do you want to see from from things across yours?
2: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with, with, with that clarity over where decisions are made is going to be crucial because um, you can't make every decision at, at ICS level. You You need... But local insight to make some of them anyway. But also, there's just too much um, that needs deciding for it all to to sit centrally. So knowing what is delegated to local level and 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 the resources that are there within that locality's um, kind of gift to to use uh, as they see fit and with with freedom to move those around. Um, it's going to be really important for for people to know who's doing what. And, and where they're doing it. Um and, and also not to be left in a the risk is inertia whilst it's not clear where decision making is that that in the end decisions don't get made. Um, so so I think for, for me that, that's a real priority. Um, I think the 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 collaboratives is a is, is a good one to think about because I, I see it happening sort of both horizontally and vertically. So you've got uh, and, and perhaps you, you know, Sverre and I both work around community organisations. We feel it probably more than, than perhaps our acute colleagues, because there's a there's a desire to collaborate as community health providers across the ICS, and some real rich learning that you can get from understanding what other others are doing in different places. Because sometimes it can be a bit insular um, in, in my world around community, because your relationships are all within the place, and um, so knowing what other community organisations are doing and the same's happening with primary care working in increasingly sort of larger collaborations of primary care to to sort of an ICS level collaborative so you've got all of those vertical collaboratives happening in an acute one whilst at the same time trying to have horizontal collaboratives happening at place level where all of those different types of organisation are are coming together and it's, it's not a bad thing that you've got both of those but the risk is you're not quite clear who's doing what and where and and you end up having as beren says the same conversations two three four five times um each coming to slightly different conclusions or with 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 slightly different people in them and we there's not enough time in the day already to to do all of the things that needed and we talked earlier about priorities and how do you make the headspace and time for people to to work on the population health challenge, which when we come back to is is the real um, kind of goal of, of working in this way. So so I think the the, the cleaning up of the governance, um, which is why I think I mean, you've got that six to eighteen month period, is because it will take a bit of time for that to work out and you know people to know what their their roles are, particularly for people who were working in commissioning roles before, and I think are still getting that clarity and as that comes there'll then be some transition as as, as people move and and do different things and, and and therefore systems come back together with the people who'll be working in them um, it will be making sure that we do things at the right level once and um, so it, we should delegate everything down as low as we can other than the things we're doing it 50, 60 times across an ICS is a duplication of effort because it's the same. It's the same conversation and the same work. They're the things we should be doing once at, at ICS level or doing at the, their place, but really getting as much down to, to that neighbourhood um, team level as as we possibly can, and definitely trying not to do it at three at each of the three levels.
1: Yeah, thanks, Steve. Just just listening to you there without wanting to do you out of a job. Do, do you think community services? As they have been commissioned, pre- or sort of historically, will continue to be a thing, or do you see that just kind of being absorbed one way or another into either place or or neighbourhood type working?
2: Yeah, I mean, f- functionally, they will. You know, there'll always be a need for 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 the work that they do. Um, I think you've already got a real mixed bag of organisational models for delivering that, from you know, standalone community organisations organizations as um, sort of community organizations um through to um sort of nhs standalone community providers being part of mental health trust being part of acute trusts um so i um, been being kind of properly paired up with with local authorities in some places in the in the country so uh, i think you you will probably see that same kind of variable approach across the country in terms of places doing what makes sense for for them and for some that will be still being hosted within foundation trusts within the within the area. Um I, I think you may also get some places where actually maturity of PCNs or federations of, of PCNs is is such that they could take on the, the delivery of community services there's a, a risk for me around some fragmenting some of that down too far in terms of kind of governance and uh, and and shared ways of working but i think it's probably going to be horses for courses it's 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 going to be based on the organizational structures and their their maturity their um kind of relationships and trust and, and and i i see a, an evolution of that um, sort of local provider organisation that's going to be doing a mix of local authority, you know, some of the work that's traditionally done by local authorities around social care, the work around community health, probably some elements of, of mental health, some elements of, of primary care provision and some more things that we'll add in um, with shared management structures but what organisational form sits behind that um, I, I think will will probably be different in different places Um, because you know we can't just do things once across the NHS it'd be far too simple
1: (laughs) yeah thanks Steve Viren you let the the finances elephant into the room so um, what in terms of that obviously there's lots of conversation around um, doing things differently innovation everything that goes with that but the money's not necessarily there to attach to that how do you see that kind of playing out, do you think that the lack of funding is going to stop innovation or do you think there will just be different ways to approach
0: it? So I think um, it comes down to the maturity, I suppose, of, of the system, I mean it's not that the, the funding isn't there, there, there is, so I think there is there is always an opportunity for us to look. Now we're looking wider than just the NHS at um, you know uh, maximising efficiency. Um, and driving out duplication, I think the amount that that goes in duplication and wastage, I think there's a huge opportunity to look at that differently with different partners around the table um I think the 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 flow of funding and where decision making around funding sits is probably in some ways the the bigger issue um where you, you you know I think all of us ideally want to have that focus on population health we want to move from a more, you know, from a reactive system to a more proactive system that focuses on prevention. But we all know that those sorts of interventions around prevention are not something where you see benefits within three, four, five months. They're they're two, three years. And I think how we allow uh, systems and places to hold their nerve, I suppose, as they make these decisions, is going to be the key. How we give them the breathing space to give them the time for these things to to evolve and develop, I think, is the key. Um, so I think that, that that you know we can always complain about there not being enough funding, there not being enough money. But actually, you know, when you look at every ICS in the country and the and the the, the, the potential funding that's there is at its disposal, we are talking colossal sums of funding. Uh, and within that there are always opportunities for us to to do things differently. But I think that real focus on duplication and wastage, I think that real focus, which I think you so one of the issues that we have in the way that traditionally the NHS was set up is that every um, organisation actually often struggle to make the change because it relies on things that happens outside their organisation. And I think if if. You know, ICSs and, and places are to be successful. It requires us to focus on the things that require all of us to come together around the table and completely redefine a pathway in terms of how it currently works. And then I think you do have the opportunity to unlock some results. When we've had big changes like this in the past, we've always had the opportunity to somewhat pump prime, I suppose, and have a little bit of double running. And I think that's one thing we don't have this time around. Um, so that's something I suppose we just need to consider that it takes time for changes to bed in before you start to see the benefits, be they financial or or sort of patient outcomes. Um, and it's it's whether whether the new structures will allow that time. I suppose is the biggest question for me.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Steve. Same question to you, really, about kind of where how's your system going to innovate? Where's the money going to come from? You've got any clarity around
2: that? Uh, i think probably l- limited clarity today i i i kind of reflect on some of that r- real strong innovation we saw in covid undoubtedly some of it was that was the was the kind of pressure in the moment and the need to do something but the other part of it which we don't always talk about as much was the access to money became not a challenge at all so uh, anything you wanted to do money wasn't um, a barrier and, and i think what we saw with that is an, an unlocking of the creativity in within public services generally that is often constrained by how are we going to fund this or how are we going to resource it um and and so how as as, as an ics and how as, as a system we start to bring together all of those little pools and pots of money and funding that, that are always there into a more um, kind of like almost like an innovation fund that you can tap in to do to do the double running and to do the the, the kind of proving that that way works and and the opportunity we we start to have by working together across uh, sort of organisations and and services is that traditionally we, we might have done something different in community health where. The benefit largest site in primary care. So, so then your challenge becomes, well, who who pays for that? I think as you as you work as a system, it, it becomes less of an issue where the benefit falls and where the investment comes from because it's all part of um, of the same. I think there's still an issue there about you know kind of resource flows across um, teams and services within that that bigger structure. But it, it really is not an opportunity to think, and, and particularly where those economic benefits fall broader than the NHS, um, so certainly into social care, but but also um, kind of into the, the wider public sector, thinking about how we use the, the billions of pounds, if we're honest, that we've got at our disposal to, to do more yeah. good. Brilliant, thank you. Um, well, I've
1: just got a couple of minutes left, I suppose, the, the, the last question, or well, penultimate question, hopefully. Steve, If in terms of that bit around innovating, if you could do one thing differently, or you and your colleagues in, in kind of getting towards a more joined up way of working, what would the innovation or the area be for you that you'd want to look at?
2: I, I think the thing that comes up in, in almost a, a, any conversation around integrated working you know, or more collaborative working is around access to shared records. Um, and the ability for for people to all have access to the same information about the people that they're they're working with. So I I think for me, if if we only allowed one thing, um, it would be a, a, a single easily accessible digital record that that that, that worked. Um, I think one thing on its own is never enough. But but that that for us would be a would be a really big thing.
0: Yeah very not allowed the same thing so what would your one thing be it's because i have seen that the benefits are, i suppose when you get for example community services and general practice onto one record it's a game changer and in terms of reducing duplication it, it makes a huge difference i think for me actually um the 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 bit of the system where i think there's the the, the most variety in, in kind of the, the model of provision is in community services where as, as steve alluded to before we have things that have grown up over, over a number of years. And within community services, I think the bit of the system that feels particularly fragile for me, where I think we can do a lot and innovate, is that intermediate tier. It's that step up and step down between primary community care and secondary care, where you know traditionally people have often ended up in a hospital bed and then stay in that bed for longer than they need to. And, and that that process of getting them back home and getting them to, to um, hopefully as, as, as full function as possible is often... That, you know, lots of different providers in that space, lots of different, um, sometimes perverse incentives for people to do one thing or the other. I think we could put some real focus into that bit of the system um, and make some real improvements to how we do things. And I think that's where technology, I think, has a particular role to play around. Uh, you know, it doesn't require five different people necessarily to go into somebody's house to deliver an intervention. There are potential ways that we can monitor people, we can intervene with people, we can support people, um, but it requires quite a, a shift in how we might do that. And the other area of innovation, I suppose, is um, thinking about that relationship with the um, outside the public sector and, and the private sector and you know recognizing the huge expertise that exists there but actually one of the things we struggle with is often around workforce and actually there's a way of supporting some of that innovation with you know manpower for want of a better word to create some of that space that you need for your your own staff to be able to do things differently uh, and one of the things that are sort of my reflections of, of colleagues across the public sector is that we've built up strong relationships, often with CCGs at place level. And I think it's really difficult now for people who are trying to engage in a particular change they might want to make as to quite know where to go. Is it the ICS? Is it the PCN? Is it the place? Um, and I think that's probably something that we all need to think about in terms of where that fits in in, in how we work.
1: Fantastic. Thank you very much, for, and <clears throat> thank you, Steve, as well, for both for joining me today. We're just about out of time, so uh, that's been another fantastic conversation. Great insight from you both on, on the journey today. So, thank you very much. Um, I'll be back on August the nineteenth, speaking with Dr. Alex Deegan, who's the primary care lead for the Devon Integrated Care System. We'll be talking about what system planning looks like, uh, the priority setting down there and how they're looking to bring innovations in as well. So continuing some of the same themes and, and then building on it hopefully with another month under our belt of, of integration. And um, final reminder for anyone um, that hasn't signed up uh, to have a look at the handout for our symposium. We're nearly full on that. So get in while you can. Um, thanks again to my two guests today. Thank you, everyone, for watching um, and we will see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please do subscribe for future episodes. If you'd like to find out more about our work with the NHS or how we can support your market access strategy, please email info at mtechaccess.co.uk.